and John chapter 10. And this week, um, hyphen service is Sunday night. Hyphen and youth are going to be meeting. And so the rest of you do not have to be here unless you want to con come and support Brother Nick and Brother uh, Jonah. And uh, just buy them all a steak dinner or something like that. And take them out after, after their meeting and... And uh, just show them a good time. If you want to do that, I'm sure they'd appreciate that, right? Amen. Yeah. So this Sunday night, <clears throat> unless you're in the youth, and unless you're hyphen, you do not have to be here for service. And Wednesday night is uh, day before Thanksgiving. And we have never, I don't think we've ever, as long as I've been pastor, had service on Wednesday night. Uh, before Thanksgiving and so again our tradition is we'll have no Bible study next Wednesday so the next time we'll have service after uh, this Sunday will be the next Sunday and uh, have a good holiday have a good time eat lots of food get lots of loving on your family and then come back to church this weekend the next weekend and Let's just have good church. I'd like to see somebody get the Holy Ghost. I'd like to see somebody pray through. I really would. I'd like to see somebody get a touch that they need in their body desperately. Okay. Verse 28, Mark 12. <clears throat> and one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all. Now, can you imagine a man asking Jesus that? He really didn't understand who Jesus was. Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. Now, I love this portion of Scripture. I have preached on it quite often in this church, even this year. And I might preach on it again because I like to preach on it. I always come with a different way and a different thought and a different area and a different title. And it's never the same. And it's not the same tonight. Entirely different message I've ever preached on this. And he said, the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And there is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, well, master, thou hast said the truth, but there is one God and there is none other but he. Aren't you glad you got that revelation? If you don't have that revelation yet, just keep coming to our church. And I promise you, you'll get that revolution, revelation pretty soon. God will show you that he's only one God. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father, for which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. When you read these passages of Scripture, there was, appeared to me that a lot of these folks didn't know who God was. And being Jews, it's pretty easy to understand that they did not believe that Jesus Christ was God. They could not believe that God could be a man, robe himself in flesh and come down to the earth and be like they were. And they believed it so strong that they were ready to stone, literally kill the Lord Jesus because they thought he was blaspheming. He was claiming to be God. They were serious about their religion. They weren't a UPC either. They hadn't joined UPC yet. Maybe UPC went around during that time. Don't you imagine? But you know, <clears throat> these men were very confused. They didn't understand. They didn't have a revelation. They were thinking, who is this? And I want to ask you a question today. If somebody were to ask you, who is God? What would you say to them? Hey, you're right. Whoever said that, you're right. You said it? Okay. But you know, saying that is one thing, but then follow up and explain to them in the Word of God is another. We need to be able to follow up in the Word of God and show them. Everybody say, show them from the Bible what and who Jesus Christ is, who God is. Amen. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight a little bit. Everybody say, I want to know God better. I want to understand God. I want, I want to know Him. You can be seated if you're going to help me. If you're not, stand up. You don't deserve to sit down if you're not going to help me teach tonight. The Westminster Confession, it's like a, a commentary dictionary, gives this definition of God. It says, there is only one living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, a completely pure spirit, invisible without body parts or emotion, unchangeable, immensely vast, eternal, limitless, almighty, Completely wise, completely holy, completely free, 
and completely absolute. Wow, I like that definition. Because God is every bit of that definition and so much more. If you were to try to describe God with your human reasoning and abilities, some of you would do better because you're more educated. You have maybe a better degree in English and some of you could write and most of us just barely got by. I was one of those that barely got by and that's why I have to work harder to give you these masterpieces every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning. They do not come easily. I have to really work at them. But a masterpiece is a masterpiece, regardless if you get it naturally or if it comes hard. Can somebody say man? Amen. Down through the years, men have wanted to know what kind of being is God. They want to know how God looks. You probably had people to ask you that. They wanted to know where God came from and when God started. They want to know how God feels toward man and what are God's attributes. Although God is a very real God, He is not visible to us he will never you will never see God in a physical form until you go to heaven and see him face to face God knows he feels he loves he hears our prayers he speaks he acts the Bible represents God as a living God. I've heard the, the slogan, slogan said many times that God is dead. And there was a generation in the past where people were speaking that God is dead on a regular basis. I've never felt that way. Growing up, I've always felt that God is alive. I have felt him. I have heard him speak to me. I have been healed by him. I have been set free from sins by him. I have literally been changed by him because the God that I serve today is a living God. God is free and he's not bound to any limitations. Uh, uh, he can act freely. He doesn't need permission from any board or any organization or any committee. God works on his own. He makes decisions by himself. God's power is unhampered and unlimited. God is highest above all and mightiest over all. God is the author of the universe uh, and order and matter and life and mind. What a mighty God we serve. I guess I should have called this mighty God number two. 
because I'm still on that theme because I do believe that we are serving a mighty God. Who is God? I'll tell you who God is. He's a mighty God. He's an all-powerful God. He's an on-time God. And he loves you and me, even though we're not always good. Can somebody say amen? In Isaiah 6 and 1, we read, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the sephrams. Each one had six wings, and twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Only once in scripture do we see the sephrams, and only one thing do we hear them say that one time, and that is holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. In the Hebrew language, when a word is repeated, it's kind of like you and me using a highlighter marker uh, to underscore, to highlight something that is important. Repeating a word in Hebrew is to emphasize something. The angels were not saying God is holy. They were not saying that he was holy, holy. They were saying holy, holy, holy. There's no other characteristic of God that gets the emphasis that his holiness does and deserves. We are never told in the scripture that God is wise, wise, wise. And we have never told that God is strong, strong, strong. We're never told that God is powerful, powerful, powerful. Only his holiness is repeated again and again and again because his holiness needs to be recognized as the most important attribute of God. God's holiness emphasizes who God is more than any other attribute of God. God is worthy of our praise because he is holy. All the wisdom and the power in the universe is his. In Daniel 2.30 in the NIV it says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever wisdom and power are his. So who is that holy God? Our creator. We ought to learn all we can about God since we are created in His image. As we learn about Him, we learn more about His plans for us. Who are you? What makes you tick? What are you about? Why is it that you think the way you think and behave the way you behave? 
You ever figured that out yet? What leads you to live the life that you live? These are important questions. Questions about identity and character. Questions that start to get at the heart of what makes us go and operate and we are motivated by. There is a thrill about getting to know a new person. And those are the kind of things we often want to learn about people who are new to us. It's only normal to ask these kinds of questions. These are very uh, same questions that we uh, also can ask about God. There are a lot of people who think of God as being impersonal. Very many <clears throat> People think God is something very, very distant, very different from us, and so different as to be unknowable by us, beyond us, that so far that many of us would say the best we can know about God is that He represents the best in all of us. And that probably is the most we could say as humans about God when we rely on our ability to try to figure God out. That's why most religions come down to this. Be good, and if you're good enough, you might get to go to heaven. God is out there somewhere, pretty much unreachable to us, or to some He's angry. To some, he's a judge waiting to determine how much you're going to have to submit and suffer when you come into his kingdom. But we don't have to rely on our ability to figure God out. God knows that the best we could ever do or come up with on our own is a very, very pale imitation of who God is. And that's what you find in the many expressions of religious faith. Christians aren't exempt from this. Christians settle with a notion of God that is only distant and fearful and unknowable. But we really don't have to rely on our abilities to figure God out. There's a better way. We have the revelation from God about who He is, and we have the Holy Bible. If we will read it, we can hear what God has to say about who He really is. And that is what the Holy Bible is. It's God's gift of revelation to people that are wanting and desiring to know God. You're not going to get a great revelation and know a lot about God if you don't spend some time in the book. We got to learn to direct our time and our energies into kingdom things that are going to matter after this whole world has come to an end. That's what the Holy Bible is. It's for God, gift to us. And what does the Bible reveal about God? I'll tell you, the Bible tells us that God is one. 
That is the most important revelation that came to the Israelites in the Old Testament. Most people back then thought that there were many gods. Ancient Romans and Greek people worshipped many different gods and they lived in dread and fear trying to appease the gods. But God revealed himself to Israel as only one God. I am so thankful that I know who that one God is. I'm so thankful that when I pray, I only have to pray to one God. I'm so thankful that when I go to him with my worship, I only have to pray to one God. Some of you be in trouble. I can't even get you to pray to one God. What a mess we'd be in if I tried to get you to pray to three gods or more. Think about that. God is holiness. According to Psalms 99.9, holiness is not simply one positive God quality among many. It defines all of God's other attributes of his characteristics. Holiness defines God the way light defines sun. Holiness is the essence of who God really is. And from his holiness flow all of God's attributes. When we think of holiness, we think it's how I dress, how I uh, fix my hair, how I uh, treat people and all of that. But God's holiness is something totally different from that. And when you find out what God's holiness is and understand it and start loving him because of it, it will make all the difference in the world how you live for God. When you understand what holiness is, when the Lord said, "I be you holy for I am holy, he wasn't talking about dress there. He was talking about your spirit and your attitude, the way you live people, the way you treat people, the way you treat each other, and the way you treat him. God is righteous according to Psalms 50 and 6. When we say God is righteous, we mean he follows the moral rules he established. He always, everybody say always, he always does the right thing. So God's holiness always guarantees righteous actions. The third thing we know, God is love. I don't think most of us have ever really figured that out, what that really means. God is not about love. God is not concerning love. God is love. A great opening separates holiness from everything substandard. But God's love closes that void between His holiness and unholiness and draws us into His loving heart. He reached out to us before we even knew that we needed Him. When we were in sin, thinking we were having a good time, Mixed up and miserable after the, the letdown, after the come down. Miserable, wretched, lonely, 
feeling horrible. God reached out to us even when we didn't know that we were even interested in him. We didn't know anything about him. We weren't going to church and we weren't searching him, but he reached out to us anyway because he loved us. And we need to continue to remember where we came from. I said, we need to keep telling that testimony, Brother Earl. Brother Mike, you need to keep telling it. Tell people where you came from. He reached out to us. God has hope to change our unholiness into holiness. So he offers us the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will help us to be holy. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're not going to be interested in holiness. I'm losing some of y'all, I think. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're not going to be interested in listening to teaching and preaching about how to live for God. But when you get the Holy Ghost, you won't find excuses not to any longer. You'll start looking for reasons that will cause you to want to live for God. You'll start looking for ways to improve your relationship with God and improve the way that you walk with Him and talk about Him and live for Him. His holiness gives us what we didn't deserve, something called grace. And he does not give us what we do deserve, and that's judgment. He shows compassion on us in our unholy spiritual condition. And he acts kindly toward us when we really deserve judgment. The fourth thing about God is he's truth. Mark 14 and 6 tells us that. Truth flows from God's holiness so we can rely on what he says to be correct. He never lies. Everybody say he never lies. Never misrepresents. Never misleads us. So when his word tells us that God loves us or is graceful and merciful to us, we know that these statements are a fact. Our God is a holy God, and holiness treads its way through all of God's other attributes to help define them. Who He is exemplifies what He wants to be. Because God is holy, He always bears truth. One day a teacher was going to explain evolution to the children in her class, and this teacher asked a little boy, she said, Tommy, do you see that tree outside? Tommy said, yes, ma'am, I do. Teacher said, Tommy, do you see the grass outside? Tommy looked, he said, yes, ma'am, I see the grass, teacher. The teacher said, now, Tommy, I want you to do something. I want you to go outside and look and see if you can see the sky. Tommy walked out, and he returns a few minutes later, and he said, yes, ma'am, I saw the sky. The teacher said, did you see God, Tommy? And Tommy said, no, ma'am, I did not see God. The teacher said, that's my point. 
We can't see God because He isn't there. God does not exist. And this little story that I'm telling you here today, a girl spoke up and she asked the teacher, said, teacher, do you mind if I ask Tommy some questions myself? And the teacher said, sure, go ahead and ask Tommy some questions. And the little girl said to Tommy, do you see the tree outside? And Tommy kind of rolled his eyes and said, yeah, I see the tree. The little girl said, Tommy, do you see the grass outside? Tommy said, yes, getting tired of this questioning by now. And he said, yes, I see the grass outside. The little girl said, Tommy, can you go out one more time and look up in the sky? Tommy said, okay. He comes back. And then the teacher said, uh, the little girl said something else. She said, Tommy, do you see the teacher? He said, yeah, I do. The little girl said, do you see her brain? Tommy said, no, I don't. The little girl said, then according to what our teacher taught us today, that God doesn't exist, that if you can't see him, we can't see the teacher's brain, then it must not exist. I might have got real quiet in that classroom. But that's about how ignorant some people are with God. You can't see God. But He's there. And that's not a cop-out for us to not be able to explain Him. Honey, I'm going to tell you, if you hang around a Pentecost church very long, and you get in our services, you're going to feel God. I've seen grown men and women, hard-living, hard-hearted grown men and women that come up in a rough, tough world, walk into our church right here in Tyler, Texas, and the presence of God, when we begin to worship and sing, I've seen them go to their knees. I've seen them burst out in crying. I've seen them repent of their sins because they got in the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, they may not see God. God, but I'm going to tell you something. He's there and you can feel him and he can change you and he'll make things different in your life. People who do not believe in God may have a brain, but they sure are not using it. If God does not exist, then the atheist and the agnostic, agnostics are right and they have truth then there is no supreme being to which we must give an account. There's no judgment day, no heaven, no hell. There's no reason to be accountable to anyone but ourselves. There's no right, there's no wrong, no good, no evil. We would best live by the saying, eat, drink, and be merry, for in the future we die. But if God does exist, there is a supreme being to whom we must give account. We owe it to ourselves 
to learn whatever we can about the nature of this God, about what he may require of us, the right and the wrong, the good and the evil, about the judgment day, about heaven and hell, and even the rapture. Because if there is a real God, my Bible tells me those things are real. And we need to acquaint ourselves with these things and make sure that we make it. Because I'm going to tell you something. Making it in the kingdom of God, making it in the rapture, will be the best decision anybody in this building made in your entire life. Amen. Jeremiah 9.23 says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Most people that I know have a desire to know who God is and what he expects of us. However, there are so many opinions and different beliefs about God and religion that many people stay very confused. Everyone can tell you what they think or what they believe, but very few could ever show you in the Bible what they believe, or what they think. And so don't be guilty of just telling people what you believe or what you think. You need to study the Word of God. You need to get out your Bible and familiarize yourself with it where you can literally go show them what the Bible says about your salvation. Somebody said, I believe that, and I need that. The Bible should be the source from which we get all of our beliefs concerning God and what he requires of man. If I cannot find what I believe in the Bible and cannot show others what I believe in the Bible, then I need to keep searching the scripture until I can show them. Because it is my responsibility and your responsibility as being called of God. God called us that we would be fruitful. And that fruitful is bringing souls into God's kingdom. That's the only thing God's concerned about. He's not concerned about your money. He's not concerned about uh, what you accumulate. God's concerned about one thing. He's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. So what do we do? Second Timothy tells us what to do. Study to show thyself approved of God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's not just ministry. That's not just the preacher. Second Peter 1.20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved 
by the Holy Ghost. 2 Timothy 3.15 And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable by doctrine, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We know that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. The Bible is what God uses to show man who he is and what he expects of man. We should make sure that what we believe is found in the Bible. It was the first book that was ever printed in America. It was so important that God allowed a printing press to be built. He was putting everything on hold, waiting for that moment that human beings could print his word and make it available to anybody in this world. And we have it at our fingertips, but what good is it going to do us if we never read it? I'm going to tell you, and I want you to hear me good, there is no excuse for not one person in this house for not reading the Word of God on a regular basis. I can get every kind of version. In fact, I downloaded one. I think it's got about 50 or 60 different Bible versions on that one app. And if I'm too lazy too lazy to read it all I got to do is plug in my earpiece and listen to somebody else read it there is no excuse you can't say well I didn't bring my bible with me today get it on your phone you're gonna have that phone I promise you you're not going anywhere if you leave it you'll turn around and go back home and get it you know that ain't that ain't about right that's all it's right as it be how many times have we all done it? There's no excuse for us not reading the Bible. Anybody feeling conviction? I hope so. I hope so. It takes discipline. It takes discipline. I had to discipline myself today. Right there on that iPad. I read. I actually read some and I actually listened to some today. I don't know, I was thinking it was about, I got to, it was in Daniel, and I was listening to Shadrach, Meshach, and Benigo, and I just got excited about that, and I couldn't stop listening to it. I like it. That old king got to Revelation. He went from being a know-it-all, smart-aleck, overbearing king and wanted his way, and everybody's going to bow to saying, oh my, I thought we cast three in there. I see four, and he got a revelation. I don't know where he got it from, but he said the form of the fourth man that I see is the Son of God. And then if anybody even talks about their God, I'll make a dunghill out of your house. I mean, he changed just, just like that. And that's what happens to us when we get in God's presence. When we see the miraculous happening, God does things that changes our lives.
Amen. I don't know where to stop. I think I'm out of time. According to my pages, I've been about 35 minutes. And probably according to my clock, I've been about 45 minutes. Would you stand? Because I want you to keep coming. Come back.